This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. My name is Brian Fitton. I am not Alex Fitton, and you are invited today to a special episode, maybe the best episode of the season, if I can say, uh, because I'm taking over the podcast today. I'm very excited to do so in a special dad's episode. So if you haven't heard this before, we have every single uh, season, I say we, like I'm part of this thing, but I, I am. I'm, I'm a dad. I'm involved in this adoption journey, uh, but uh, every season we do a dad's episode, and so maybe Make sure you guys go back and, and look at those previous episodes. I've had some amazing guests on um, to be able to talk about the adoptive dad side of this story. Um, and so anyway, I'm very excited today to bring on Ryan Smith, who is a personal friend of mine. We've met through uh, basically the foster care adoptive community that we have here in Northwest Arkansas. And I've had the privilege of being able to spend some time with him and hear his story. He's an adapt- adoptive dad of, of uh, six total kids, uh, two bio in there and, and four adopted. And uh, we just really jump into uh, his Enneagram number, which is an eight, and uh, talk through basically the challenges of that, um, things he you know enjoys about being an eight and how that affects his parenting style, but then also his marriage. So I'm actually a three on the Enneagram, and it's it's really cool to hear an, another adoptive dad us talk through the differences between being an eight and a three in our different parenting styles, but then also how we are very relatable, um, and I guess in the aggressive stand. And I am so excited to share that with you guys. But before I do, I'm going to give a quick shout out to those that are supporting Alex on Patreon at patreon.com slash the adoptive mom, because if that community over there really means a lot to her, it means a lot to us because there are a lot of costs associated with doing a podcast, the hours invested as well as hosting costs and, and other things. And so thank you to those that are already supporting, but if you're not, make sure you guys jump over there. She does a great job of editing and the hours that she puts into this to schedule everything out and, and, and actually on her Patreon, uh, those who are subscribed get the episodes a week early as one of the benefits. And so it's really cool to see um, really that community grow as well and just see all the support that she's gotten through this. But if you're not already uh, part of that Patreon community, make sure you guys go check that out, patreon.com slash theadoptivemom. And uh, help her out. Throw her uh, throw her a little a few bucks a month just to help with the uh, costs and, and her time invested in this. Um, but in general, we do... St- love and appreciate all of you in this community that has been built out of this podcast. I get to see it as a, as a third party on the outside, but it really does mean a lot to her, all the notes and stuff that she gets from you guys. Um, I'm just very, very, uh, very thankful for all of you. So anyway, without further ado, let's jump into the dad's episode. Make sure that if you're an adoptive mom listening to this, go grab your dude and make sure that he listens to this episode because uh, it's a good one from Ryan Smith. And jumping into the Enneagram, I think it's this has been a great season. Very excited about it. Uh, so here we go. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. 
I am Brian Fitton. I'm not Alex Fitton. I am the husband of Alex Fitton, and I'm excited to jump into a dad's episode with you guys today. And I have a special guest with me on today, uh, Mr. Ryan Smith. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, you and I have gotten to hang out um, a little bit here and there uh, pre-COVID. Um, obviously, now with with the pandemic and stuff happening, we haven't got to uh, to go grab grab uh, dinner or anything. We, you and myself and Scott Monty and a few other adoptive dads and some foster care dads, we've all kind of hung out. And um, I love this community that we have. And uh, so when Alex was like, you know, we're talking about, you know, who to uh, interview, obviously for this season and the Enneagram, uh, she's actually had your wife Jolene on for the five episode, but you're an eight, correct? Uh, yes, that's correct. So. Awesome. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we have, we have gotten to hang out and, um, yeah, it's been fun. Unfortunately, just to the audience, uh, we were supposed to have it in person, but yeah, unfortunately you might've been exposed to COVID and, uh, I'm much more comfortable in person, but here I am on zoom, not my favorite media, (laughs) um, but it is what it is. And so, yeah, hopefully, uh, everybody can get something out of it. So absolutely. Yeah. And it's, uh, I prefer the in-person interviews as well. We've, uh, we have a studio at my office that we actually record in. So I was kind of excited to do something like that with you. But then obviously, yeah, I think things happen. And I think this is, I kind of <laughs> had several times that we've had this experience happen, uh, being around somebody or something, you know, with as many cases has been out there, but playing it safe, which I appreciate you uh, being willing to, uh, to jump on with us, yeah. uh, and uh, hang out in this virtual world like we're all kind of getting used to as well. But right, um, but the suboptimal. I uh, don't claim responsibility, and it's definitely the uh, the environment. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that before. It's uh, yeah, it's like man, we're just all getting used to the Zoom stuff. It's just you know, yeah. it is what it is. But uh, um, thanks so much for jumping on with me. Um, I'm excited to kind of explore a little bit about you and then obviously being an eight. So I'm a three, I'm a guy that's an achiever. I'm definitely, you know, in performance mode a lot. And so I'm, I, I typically, I know several eights, but, um, I don't know many guys who are eight. So I'm actually very interested in your perspective as an adopted dad, um, having that, you know, those, I guess those motivations and stuff as an eight does. So, uh, but first Ryan, tell us just a little bit about you and what you do. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll probably talk about the, you know, adoption part, but, um, you know, you mentioned my wife, Jolene. So, yeah, I've been married for the past, um, yeah, going on 18, 18 years. You don't look old enough months. to be married so. 18 years, man. That's crazy. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, Neither going on 18 years. Neither does your wife, years. by the way. I mean, interrupt yeah. you. Neither does your wife. You guys, seriously, you got married when you were 10 years old or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, young, it's uh and it's been good. And yeah, it's crazy. When I was at West Point, um, sorry, just getting married young. Uh, like all, four, I had four roommates that um, uh, met their spouses like in ninth grade and dated all the way through ninth grade and got married right out of West Point. So but anyway, it's been, yeah, good to be married wow. that long. And um, yeah, I started, uh, and we'll probably get more into it, but yeah, I started foster care um, about ten, nine years ago. And uh, yeah, fostered about 25 kids. And, um, and yeah, we have... Uh, four adopted kids right now and uh and two biological i mean every guy says i mean they're all my kids but this is an adoptive podcast so you know kind of break that out usually yeah. do that. and um and yeah i've been you know uh i mentioned west point so i was in the military for a while i uh, went to grad school in um, st louis for an mba and worked at walmart for about eight years tyson for four years and then um yeah most recently 
I might even get into this more, but um, yeah, I decided to start my own business and do, um, I'm a contractor for uh, FedEx and uh, run about um, 15 to 20 routes in uh, central Arkansas. And I really enjoy that. And um, yeah, on the business uh, business side, that's what I do. And then- no, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And it's definitely exciting, yeah. obviously being on your yeah. own. That, that's uh, for me as in the business world, H usually do pretty well, especially self-employed because working under, I've had a few people who were, I'm assuming were eights on the Enneagram uh, that worked for me <laughs> that, uh, yeah, things did not always go as well, <laughs> which is okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously part of that personality challenges, the interpersonal style and, and adapting, but uh, that's, uh, that's awesome. I'm so, that's so glad to hear it. And here's the deal. We can, we could jump on my podcast later and we can talk about all those things. Cause I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive into those entrepreneurial journeys. I'm not going to plug my podcast though on, Hey guys, Alex here cutting in. I wasn't supposed to, I know, but, uh, that last comment just got me because of course I'm going to plug my husband's podcast. Listen, if you are into entrepreneurial stuff at all, or you just want to listen to Brian and my best friend, Lauren chat about businessy things, then you should totally go check out the rogue creators podcast. Um, yeah, just had to jump in and say that. Okay. Back to the show. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> well, that actually does help us kind of transition, though. Um, so how do you basically your type, you're like you're uh, being an Enneagram aide. How has that influenced your desire to adopt and, and your role in the adoption process? Obviously, I air more to the business world, but in the adoption world, how has it uh, has it really influenced your your mindset there? Um, like, you know, the strong sense of uh, justice and um, fighting for justice. So. I mean, I think that's kind of the key on the eight um, piece that made me want to do that. And I'll, I'll just go ahead and jump into, you know, how we ended up getting into adoption. Um, when I was growing up, my parents didn't have, um, like, we're supposed to be able to have kids. But, so they had me, but they uh, ended up adopting my sibling um, and my sister from uh, Korea. So I kind of grew up with, you know, I mean, you know, with a uh, sibling that was adopted, but never really thought about bad for my life and um we were sitting in church and we just read uh read um blue like jazz yeah in our small group at church and i don't know donald if you heard that oh yeah i love yeah. donald miller in general yeah okay i couldn't even remember the guy's name but <laughs> um but yeah blue, blue like jazz was great and kind of made us really question like um you know how yeah question like our actions and like what we were doing as Christians versus, you know, just showing up to church. And, um, you know, he talked about, uh, I forgot how, how he worded it, but I actually have the um, piece of paper that um, my wife wrote while we were sitting in church. And I mentioned blue like jazz and saying like, you know, we weren't going to become missionaries or, you know, go over to Africa and like change the world. But, um, you know, what would we do right here? And we were sitting in church and um, there was a um, announcement in the bulletin about, um, foster care and adoption. And then the, um, one of the elders was involved in a a Christian, uh, it's really Christian counseling ministry. Um, but somehow they were also a little bit involved in, um, um, I mean, they had child counseling, but they did, uh, and they did adoption somehow and some, um, foster care as well. And he mentioned a need for foster parents. And, um, my wife, I wrote this note, like, you know, we need to do something. And, I'd read it in the bulletin and somehow it hit me at the same time. And when he was talking about it, like just in the announcements, I was like, we need to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she wrote, you know, at the end, you think I'm crazy, but 
do that. And I said, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like it's one of those times where, um, I mean, outside of like just verbally hearing God talk to you, like mm-hmm. it was like a two by four, like while we were sitting there, like we will, all right, we'll talk about it for the rest of our lives. Like it's, I mean, again, I keep the piece of paper, like still in my Bible, like 15 years later, like it was two years before we, I mean, it was four years before we ended up doing foster care. And we started out on the journey to um, adopt from Rwanda. And cause that, like my sister was adopted internationally. So that was kind of just the first route we went. And then um, we hosted an orphan Sunday um, at our church and had a bunch of people come in. And that's when we had, um, you know, Anne from the call come in and totally realized um, Anne was her classmate. And um, she spoke really well about, you know, foster care. And then our, unfortunately our adoption from, uh, and we were two years down the line on, Adopting from Rwanda and that fell apart and um, we decided to do foster care and yeah, that's, and um, yeah, it's really about, yeah, being an advocate, you know, for children and, um, and the least of these and like, um, obviously James, you know, 127, uh, pure and undefiled religion and, and really it's the first time I ever even stepped out on faith and like didn't have control over, over my life and, uh, you know, one of the um, great sermons I heard is like, that's religion because that's where you go and meet God. Like you don't meet God until you go and meet with the people that he met with and you go to do the things that he did. And that's why it's pure and undefiled religion because you went and did what God called you to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, James one twenty seven, and then the old Testament, you know, um, you know, God in his throne is, you know, the father to the fatherless and the widow of the widow. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a life-changing event. Absolutely. That's, uh, man, that's uh, that kind of gets me fired up, too. That reminds me <laughs> of our journey, actually. Yeah, we had talked about it when we started dating. Um, and my my parents have always kind of been, like, they have always had, like, Sunday school kids, like, that just didn't really have anywhere to go. They were always at our house, which I just kind of got used to having, you know, uh, a lot of people around. And so they kind of untraditionally foster cared, you know, or did foster care in yeah. general. And so... Um, and my parents still do that. They just open their home up to anybody, especially, um, you know, kids from, from hard places. And so, but Alex and I did that same thing. Actually, I'm the one who, she talked about it. She got the paperwork and we didn't ever do anything with it. And then I just one day up and filled it out. And then she's like, Oh, wait, you did that. And then all of a sudden it kind of hit me. I was like, Oh, I actually did that. We, we made this decision. It was just kind of like, (laughs) it just kind of naturally happened. But after that was a huge, huge life change, obviously. And so. So, and yeah, then the other amazing one, like, so God talking to us, um, you know, while we're sitting there in St. Louis and then we actually, you know, fostered, um, you know, almost 20 kids and ended up adopting, um, our second placement and, um, and he was somewhat special needs and still a little bit special needs. And we closed, so we closed down for a couple of years and, um, and yeah, then when we decided, uh, you know, we lived in our, our first home in Benville and then we were thinking about moving. And we were moving to like actually open back up at some point. And um, yeah, we decided to uh, yeah to sell our house and um, we put it on the market and there were some houses on our block that, you know, had been on the market for months and months. And um, it was at the time that um, all the uh, unrest was going on in Syria and the Middle East, you know, oh, there are yeah, people fleeing yeah. Syria and you remember, you remember every time I remember that, um, uh, the little boy, unfortunately, that, you know, drowned on the beach. And, yeah. and yeah, I remember seeing this um, picture one day of, I always look at the Wall Street Journal in the morning, but this girl reminded me of my daughter. Um, and, 
yeah, I saw this picture and, you know, all these people that you were just like, man, what is, what is that life like? Like having to, you know, leave everything and flee and, um, it's horrible. And I was like, I went home and I told Jolena, I was like, this has been weighing on me all day. And, uh, so we can't help her, but we can help, you know, the kids. And I said, as soon as we get this house, we need to open back up for foster care. And she was like, it's crazy that you said that because, um, just today, this, um, sibling group that, um, I've been following just got, um, just got moved out of the, uh, uh, children's shelter and split up for the first time. And, uh, two kids went somewhere and I said, and she told me the story, like it had been going on for, um, a year and a half, like they'd been taken into foster care and, you know, I mean, obviously they had their, you know, sad history and then they were put in another, um, home and then that home was closed for neglect and they were moved to another home and uh, you know some stuff happened there and then they moved to the children's shelter and then they got we're getting split up and i was like you know have you again and you know have you called Anne? like we need to adopt him and yeah. so like our house closed in six days we got another house the house we live in now um that's you know was much larger and we got an amazing discount um you know and it was definitely a god thing and uh and yeah, from that point on, uh, four, three months later, and we were even like, got some pushback from the adoption specialist and some other things. And I won't get into all the details, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, four months later, they ended up in our house and here we are five years later and, um, and yeah, it's going super well. So, um, so yeah, just being open to, yeah, the Holy yeah. spirit and, and wanting to follow that is yeah. Amazing things happen. So, oh, absolutely. um, anyway, so that's my other just adoption. <laughs> and again, it's a sense of justice. Like you have to, once you know about it, you cannot do something about making the, like you just want to make the world a better place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. No, I, I love that. I love that. And so you guys are actually going through right around the same time we were then. So 2015, 2016 was kind of our, our transition period through a lot of stuff too. So, and that's crazy. Well, and that, again, kind of going back to that question, though, I mean, you kind of started to jump into this, but, um, you know, being an eight, and I, I know that, you know, kind of achieving those goals, going after those goals, I relate with that <laughs> as a three. And so when yeah. you kind of set your mind to something or God moves in a way that, you know, puts something on your heart, you just you go full force at it. Um, but obviously bringing those kids into your home, how has it kind of you know, affected your parenting style, um, as well, especially even with the adopted kids. Um, yeah, with the parenting style, I mean, you always want to, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely probably, uh, overly demanding. So <laughs> hey, first, step, so I try to tell my kids that. So, um, the first thing on, um, again, if anybody hasn't read this, you know, the wrote back to you by Ian Cron. And the first one says, I've been told that I'm too blunt and aggressive. And um, doing things halfway is my spiritual gift. Um, and yeah, you're just like kind of like loud and overbearing. You don't even realize it. And, uh, and I, I do. I mean, people say I yell. I feel like I just talk loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I think all the dads can relate but, with that one too. <laughs> all the what? All dads can relate with that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And But I mean, I go back and um, I do find myself apologizing a lot. Uh, but also like, I mean, it's because... And I only get aggressive and like and loud with like because I care about it. Yeah. And I try to like go back and I mean, well, I try to start it on the front end, but I try to go back and say like, if I didn't care, I wouldn't have had this discussion. If I didn't care, I wouldn't be this loud. If I didn't care, I wouldn't be like this passionate about it. And um, mm -hmm. I can always work on my delivery, but like that's kind of like how I'm built. So <laughs> uh, 
Um, so I'm always explaining like why I'm passionate about this. And yeah, I mean, instilling that, yeah, sense of justice in, um, in the kids and like just talking about parenting, like um, Ann Cron talks about and like other podcasts, like Ace have this, um, uh, they usually like idealize their childhood apparently. Hmm. And uh, Ann Cron kind of talks about like bad happened in your childhood and you're trying to like make up for it and you had this thick skin because you've been hurt, which I can't, I don't relate to exactly. Yeah. Um, maybe I have something, but um, I don't really relate to that. Like I have this, yeah, very idealistic like childhood where, um, you know, it feels like my, and I, my, my mom went back to work when I was in kindergarten, I think. But I just remember like always being read to and like I always felt comfortable at home and I wasn't always like, and I don't have like a lot of outside friends and don't have to be accepted. Like they're just kind of like, I don't care if you like me or not. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I like hanging out with my family and like I found teenagers, you know, like, like just, you know, it didn't make sense to me. So like, you know, I'd always hang out with them and watch, you know, movies on Friday night. And again, um, yeah, I just had this idealistic childhood and my you know, parents were always around. We always had dinner at night around the table. And like, I find myself, thinking about that and I always wanted to like recreate it mm. for my kids. And, um, so yeah, I'm always very focused on like doing stuff and not, I mean, I'm also very lazy sometimes. So like, <laughs> don't think I'm always, <laughs> always doing these things, but like, I also feel bad. Like if I'm not every moment, like spending time with my kids and I always want to like get outside with them and like go biking or, you know, me and my daughter used to do five Ks together. And, um, you know, I always want to go hiking on the weekends. And like, now that I've, got this you know business and i actually had to drive down to little rock and um you know and i spend like three nights down there usually so when i come back like every saturday there's a plan to go miniature golf or go to top golf or go bowling or go like there has to be like family time and we go to las palmas you know like a certain place to eat every saturday and then um my wife was always bothered because i'm like i don't want to go out on vacation just with you because i need to spend time with kids like it's very and kind of almost intense yeah and, yeah um and yeah, I have to make these and there's only so much time. And um, yeah, even when we both worked and we had to drop Audrey off at uh, daycare, I was like, if we drop her off at 730, we have to figure out by, you know, five o'clock, you can't work late. You'll have to work from home. Like we'll put her in bed. And like, I mean, this many hours with it, like I mean, I count time and like time matters. Wow. And yeah. It's just like these different kinds of things. So <laughs> That's it gets pretty, it gets pretty intense as far as like, Yes, making a childhood, and I love the neighborhood that we live in now. Um, on one side, they can go down the hill and um, hike down to it's called Blue Hole, and actually a lot of people show up to it. it's right there by the Bella Vista Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. Two hundred people are there on the weekends during the summer, so they can go down there, or they can like go down the other side of the hill. And they're like, just today, my um, son was down there and like built a campfire, and there's like an old grill and like some um, blocks and stuff, and so they started a fire and just went out down there and. Then across the street, there's another creek and there's like an old stone building and they called their hideout. And like, we go down there and I love that my kids want to be, and Paige is my youngest and she's, so Audrey's is our oldest biological and she's just like my wife who's a five. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's definitely a five. And then <laughs> Paige is an eight. And yeah, um, just like me. And we definitely butt heads. <laughs> yeah. And uh, cause she's got this strong personality and, uh, um, but she loves being outside and yeah, eights. That's another thing. It's just like, they like being outside. So yeah, going running with them or going hiking with them. And like, we go to Colorado, um, most years and, uh, and yeah, I always want to go hiking and take them outside. And yeah, Paige wants to go down to the Creek and hang out with her big brothers. And, um, so anyway, that's just kind of like, 
Uh, I love that. I went to those things. I love that. And especially if you in your mind are like setting this goal of like, Hey, I want to be intentional with our time with my kids, as well as kind of like recreating something from your childhood of like, Hey, we're around each other all the time. We spend time together. We're intentional about that time. That makes sense. Um, you talked about your daughter being an eight as well. Have you noticed any other numbers with your kids and how do you, how do you deal with the different personalities, um, yourself as somebody who's kind of like high expectation uh, type of guy, you know? Yeah. Um, so I mean, the, the Enneagram has been amazing just because, um, I lost the thing. Um, it's been amazing. I mean, just even with me and my wife, like how we see the world so differently and it yeah. gives words for, um, how different we are. Cause she wants to like understanding. I mean, I've always kind of known this, like I want to have an argument right then and we get yeah. out of the way and I get angry fast. And like, it's a flat, like literally I can just be in, like, I mean, I can see red and like 10 minutes later, I'm like, it's all cool. I'm good yeah. now. Yeah. And uh, of course nobody recovered else recovers that fast. And, um, and yeah, I want to have an argument right then. And like just reading about it and knowing like that, um, people are completely, you know, are built very differently. It's been, um, amazing. So like, I mean, she wants to think about things forever. And so we don't always get back to stuff, but, um, it's been very good to see that, um, and like what your, um, motivations are and what your fears are and like, um, and then be able to talk about those. And like in the moment when you're having, I mean, usually when you're having an argument, like it helps the most because you're like, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. And this is what the other person wants. I'm still mad, but like I can understand. Yeah. The reaction. And even the other person's like, I'm reacting like this because of, you know, this is how I'm built with like, you want this other thing. So like, I mean, it just gives words to being able to talk through it. So, and then, yeah, with kids, just, um, it helps a little bit. And, um, yeah, writer, uh, is probably, uh, he's in seventh grade. So he's the same age as my biological daughter, Audrey. So they're both in seventh grade that we have like two pseudo twins. So Audrey and writer in seventh grade and Jay and trip, um, who are both adopted are a couple months apart and in fifth grade. Um, but yeah, writer's probably a one, which, um, yeah. Ace don't get along with ones. Yeah. Very well. <laughs> Like they're, they're, so ones are rule followers. Yeah. And, um, and they're like, and their rules just to obey rules. And they just like, I only obey the rules that make sense to me. Yep. And because it's about justice, you know, yep. like are the right thing. Um, and he always wants to argue about everything. <laughs> and you're just like, dude, I'm telling you because I'm the parent and I'm the adult yeah. and you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and anytime you like get onto him, he always says, but I was because, you know, or because, I'm like, I don't care about the because it's like, it's just not the answer. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it's the same way with my wife, like just stop arguing. So, but then we also kind of realized like, yeah, the one thinks he has a reason because like that's the rule or something or whatever rule they thought they were following. Um, and you're, and you're trying to push back on the, those rules too. If obviously if they don't make sense and that, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, no, that's not, that's not the rule. Um, and then the, um, Winnie, who's our oldest doctor, she's, um, she's a nine with an eight wing and, um, and yeah, we get along pretty well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, nine, those nines get along with everybody. Well, I'd say that yeah. though, with an eight wing, so does she, she push back a little bit at times as well? Uh, yeah, she does. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that eight wing every once in a while, you're like, where'd that come from? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed to have, um, so yeah, I mean, she's a nine, uh, 
and with an eight wing, and I'm an eight with a nine wing. But my wife's like, "Where the heck is your nine wing?" And I usually only pull it out at work to like, you know, get along. <laughs> it's all spent so, at work, so by the time you get home, it's you know, it's done. That nine yeah. wing. Hey, so yeah. yeah, talk about that though. You you said a little bit with Jolene, but what is how is that effective as an eight and a five? How do you guys get along? How do you go through conflict resolution? What does that look like? Um, so, I mean, I, I think, yeah, it's just uh, one of the biggest things is just understanding that, yeah, the five wants to think about stuff a lot longer. And um, yeah, the eight wants to argue. Yeah, process. And then, um, yeah, so it's just kind of helps with timeline of resolving it. And uh, the five always kind of like lives outside of their body. Yeah. And isn't always like as engaged and she's become more um like yeah, when the eight gets upset, like they want the they want the resistance and the five just wants to like shut down. Mm-hmm. And so um yeah, Dylan's realized that she has to like yeah, push back or be more like just kind of physically like be in the same room, like physically engaged. Um and then what yeah, I mean obviously try to I try to dial it back back as much as I can, um, you know, for the five to like have more calm engagement versus you know like that intense, the intense yeah. engagement. <laughs> what is? Which uh, probably still in. Go ahead. No, no, I was gonna ask. What is her wing? Um, she's a wing six. Wing six. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So, okay. Well, that's so she's trying to look through all of this, analyze everything, but also trying not to have that fear motivation as well as like sixes obviously go to, but, um, and you're just like, it doesn't matter. We're breaking all the rules. We're pushing back on everything. Let's, let's go full force. Um, <laughs> and I think you, you made it a good point, <clears throat> excuse me, a good point of you guys trying to kind of find that middle ground as well. Um, with you kind of pulling back as a, as kind of knowing, and I, I'm the same way where I get loud. I get, you know, when I'm passionate about something, I may not even be angry, but I'm like coming off as anger or aggressive, um, and then being able to say, yeah, okay, I need to, I need to pull myself back a little bit and not be maybe as uh, assertive. Um, and then maybe she's coming forward a little bit. I think, I think that's healthy, man. That's, that's understanding, you know, from both sides and how to make, how to make something like that work. And um, it's interesting because the Enneagram just helped us so much too, just dealing with conflict and dealing with, you know, parenting and parenting styles and how we handle things. And so, um, but as a dad, um, when it comes to like your needs as a dad, right. As an aide and trying to be able to express those needs, um, how has, how has being an aide influenced, um, basically all of your needs when it comes to dad and parenting and being a husband, um, all of those things. Yeah. So, I mean, I always want like, um, yeah, feedback. So yeah, so, sorry, just to take a step back. Cause yeah, no, you talked about fine. like the over, overpowering piece. And I was like, I was almost wanted Julian on here because, um, I think it's interesting, like the feedback I get from other people because I don't even like see it. And um, yeah, I mean, so ace are seen like as intimidating, domineering, um, and yeah, and like by other people. And yeah, I mean, I get feedback, and then I think he wrote back to you, like a guy talks about. I always get this feedback of being like, yeah, running roughshod over other people's, you know, opinions and stuff like that. And um, and yeah, my last job. I got that a lot. And then I've had other people come to me and say, like, you can't just, you know, go for somebody and, you um, you know, talk like that. I'm like, talk like what? Like, I'm just getting the job done. Like, and they're yeah. like, you're intense. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just like fixing the problem. We have a job and to I'm, do. 
Let's get yeah, it I have a job to do. And like, I'm just like telling him the right way to do it. And <laughs> I heard you. I just didn't like your opinion. And it's nothing personal. Like, just get over it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so like, and um, yeah, and then like understanding the A and then getting that feedback. I'm like, what? how do people see me? Because I always kind of feel like I'm quiet and I only talk like if I have an opinion and, and it doesn't even feel like very often. And um, and yeah, my wife tells me and other people tell me like, you bring this energy into the room. And I'm like, I don't bring any energy into the room. Like, <laughs> I'm passive. <laughs> like, what are yeah. you talking? They're like, uh, no. <laughs> And, um, and yeah, I'm always just kind of surprised by that. Cause like ace don't ace actually, and they always seem, apparently they seem, you know, aggressive and confident, but a lot of times you have insecurities just like anybody else. Um, except that you never like worry about, um, one of the weird things about an eight and I've talked to the, you know, Jolene and a couple other people, you know, a nine and they always, you know, rethink like the past and feel, you know, um, feel weird, you know, bad about stuff they said like nine years ago or like I'm comfortable by it. And I'm like, as an eight, if I'm still worried about something I said two hours ago, I'm like, what is wrong with me? You can't change it and it doesn't matter. And you don't even care what that person thinks anyway. So move on. So like literally two hours later and I never regret anything like from the day before, like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like almost nothing. Like the yesterday is gone and I could care less about what happened or what anybody thought about it. And um, apparently nobody else thinks like that. So. That's so crazy. Yeah, because I, I definitely, I have not, I, I don't live in that world either because I do think about, I'm like, well, how did that come across? Did I, you know, because me as a performer, I really try to be yeah. more authentic, oh, yeah. you know, and I'm really trying to come across. So I'm like, if I do come forward a little bit, a lot of times it does freak people out a little bit. And so I have to, then I, then I go back into like, wow, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have gone that far. Maybe I was too aggressive. Maybe I should have, you know. Um, yeah. so it is kind of a struggle. So, I mean, with you though, you're saying like, just even in general, like you don't, you're not necessarily looking at the past. Do you struggle with that? Do you ever like, can somebody come back to you and say, Hey, I was really you know, offended by that or what you said. I mean, you kind of let on a little bit of that, but is that ever a thing that, that you have to go back and say, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have been, or shouldn't have said that. Or do you just like, no, like, um, forward. <laughs> so I'm not saying like, I, I don't, so I am reflective yeah. and, um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I am reflective and say, you know, how can I be better? And, and that kind of like is a good lead into like being a parent. Um, but I never dwell on um, the past. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. Good. I made that's a mistake, good, yeah. but I don't like the, the mistake is like, I learned from it and it's like, it exists no longer in my memory. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like the next day. And but I mean, like, as I approach a new thing, I'll like say, Oh, I could have done better you know, like I'll approach this differently because something that happened in the past, but I don't like, I don't have any um, anxiety over something that's happened in the past. You know what I mean? Yeah. And some people were like, I lose sleep. Like I, this new job, I had some stress at the beginning, but again, like I fall asleep and like nothing bothered me from that day. <laughs> I've made my, you know, reconciliations and I'm, I'm good. Like, and, yeah. uh, but, but no, I mean, going to parenting and like, you know, with that intensity, um, trying to understand, you know, like how it comes across and, um, and yeah, like being overly forceful with kids or overly intense. And like I said, you know, I find myself apologizing a lot. Um, and as an A, they say some A's don't apologize. You can ask my wife, like, I'm actually a pretty good apologizer. May it's because yeah. I have a lot of experience. But like, I mean, my probably the nine. Um, well, you mentioned that at the saying, beginning like, too. Uh, you mentioned, well, you mentioned that too at the beginning about, you know, with your kids and stuff. If you yeah. say something about coming back and apologizing, that's something I think our generation, 
I didn't have a whole lot of that from my dad. Not my dad had some great qualities, but you know, coming back and saying, "Hey, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that," or "Hey, I should have handled it differently." There wasn't a whole yeah. lot of that, and so I think that that's awesome to hear because um, my dad has a lot of those eight uh, tendencies and qualities. Um, maybe yeah. not the good ones, more the best of bad ones, but uh, <laughs> that's good to hear. Yeah. That's actually good to hear from you that you're you're attentive to that, you're aware of that, and you're obviously trying to make things right if if something didn't go you know the right way. Yeah. And yeah, I don't see it as a sign of, you know, weakness at all. Um, I mean, again, like sometimes they say, I just don't like to apologize, but I'm like, yeah, I made a mistake. I could have been better. And, um, and yeah, you know, meet people, you know, where they want to be met versus, you know, like, and yeah, I mean, the uh, Enneagram helps you realize that like not everybody wants to deal with things that way. And I'm like, that's fine. I mean, I'm like, it's hard for me to always control myself, but like, in the moment, and again, you know, I can always improve on that, but like a second later, I can step back and say, hey, like, here's how this should have gone and have the conversation, like, again, if it doesn't go well the first time. Yeah. And yeah. say, you know, um, yeah, like sometimes the eight and my daughter, who's nine, you know, pushes back and it's not the right time. Like she doesn't, you know, in front of somebody or like, you know, has the wrong idea about something and I get, upset but i go back and say like here's all the reasons because yeah people want i always want to know the reason like why is that not the right thing and then having those one-on-one you know, -on -one discussions and uh and yeah i mean they and again um it's never like um impacts me to go back and say i'm sorry like it's just a good thing like i would want somebody to say that's me if they messed up you know yeah. so <laughs> no that's um, awesome yeah yeah I, you, you brought up something too that reminded me of a guy I used to work with of we were going through actually this kind of brief Enneagram, um, you know, it's just, it's basically an overview and exercise and we kind of did a quick test and, and, uh, he, he had that realization. He was like, he's like, what do you mean? Everybody doesn't think about it this way. He's like, don't you guys wake up and like want to win and want to conquer everything and we'll do everything to, you know, stop at nothing to, to win the day. And people, some people were like, well, no, he, he could not believe he was like, I thought everybody thought like me. <laughs> so all of a sudden it was just kind of eye opening, right? For, for I think yeah. for all of us, when we kind of read really that number that hits us and we're like, wow, that's how I feel. And then you read everybody else's, you're like, I had no idea. This is how people view <laughs> the world, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's like, how are you that different? <laughs> yeah. uh, some of those. So much and, empathy um, out of that yeah, too. So. I think the Enneagram has brought, at least for me, a ton of empathy of trying to understand people and where they're coming from. Um, I think it's, I think it's huge in that, that fact. So, but, uh, Brian, we're going to kind of wrap up with some closing questions here that I've been given to ask you. So I want to make yeah. sure we, we run through these. So, uh, what is the most overtly eight thing about you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so just, just I mean, so, um, I mean, I'm definitely like justice focused, you know, like, so, I mean, that's why I did, you know, adoption, mm -hmm. um, I am pretty loud and like, don't mind sharing my opinion ever. <laughs> um, I dial it back sometimes. And then um, like, just as an example of like how eights and yeah, I just don't mind conf like, I don't go looking for trouble, but like, I don't mind, you know, it, saying what I, I feel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so like one example, like when I was in high school and before I knew I was an eight, um, a teacher and I, you know, I made really good grades in uh, high school. And there was a one teacher who taught history and government and in history. Like I had to correct her test. Like, every time like there would always be one question where i was like i'm sorry but this question like you got it wrong <laughs> and um 
And yeah, people will come to me and be like, hey, can you get this question corrected? So I would always do that. Anyway, uh, so one time we had a government um, project and uh, yeah, I got a B on it and I got an A on everything else. And uh, yeah, I was walking back to my desk and I was fuming, angry about it. And um, so I turned around and I was like, this is ridiculous. If I don't get an A in this class, we're going to have problems. <laughs> and the whole class was just like, I mean, you could hear a pin drop and she just stared at me. And I sat down and took my seat and, you know, I mean, an awkward, you know, silence passed. And then she just kind of went on with like the next thing. So, <laughs> yeah. So That's I had so my saying that and like, not my finest moment, but so many parts like, you know, took up two spaces with their giant truck at a oh, restaurant one man. time. And I had a bad day and I like, I wrote a note on there, like, don't park like a blank. I mean, yeah, I shouldn't have said this, but yeah, don't <laughs> park like a jerk and put it on there. I was upset that it was raining because I was like, I didn't think the ink would stick. But yeah, I put it on their um, windshield and then walked into the, and it was in Little Rock, so, you know, I go down there for work. Um, and the bar faces the part of the parking lot. I'm like, what are the odds that the guy's sitting there? But yeah, I walked in and he looked at me. I was like, yep, he's the one. And I sat down next to him and I actually like know all the people at the bar and they all said hi to me. And yeah, we, that's, <laughs> I didn't feel uncomfortable at all. And I'm like, yep, that's the guy. And yeah, he went out and took the piece of paper off and it washed off and then put it on my truck. And yeah, I kind of watched him when he walked out to make sure he didn't do anything to my car. <laughs> the age just like, yeah, says what they feel. <laughs> yeah, I would never do that. I'd be like, <laughs> I, I would feel that inside. I'd be like, oh, I cannot believe this. But yeah, I would. I would not do that intentionally. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, all right. What's your favorite and least favorite thing about being an ape? Um, so probably one of the favorite things, like just talking to other people, is that like since I'm never having to like relive an awkward moment and like feel anxiety about it, um, that sounds amazing. pretty painful. Oh, yeah. I wish I yeah. wish I lived in that world where I'm like, eh, you know, it was yesterday. <laughs> Today's the day, yeah so. like no big deal it's, yeah. it's over um so i like that um the worst part is like I, sometimes i wish i could just get everybody like up to my level of excitement about something <laughs> you know like yeah that, that intensity because i always like i'll get intense about something i mean just like adoption when i first started that and you know we had the foster sunday at our church and i was like you know a deacon at the church and um was trying to drive like um you know, uh, so kind of like social engagement, like just engagement with other, you know, uh, yeah, with uh, nonprofits in, in the community. And it just like, it just didn't go anywhere because like nobody else understood that like passion for something, mm, you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, sometimes it's just like, yeah, you feel bummed because you're never in like the same headspace with multiple other people about being that passionate for something yeah so. no, I, I feel that i definitely feel that especially after you've seen so much injustice that you just yeah. want you want to make it right and you want to convey that to others of like hey let's rally let's let's do something together and no i i, I feel that too yeah um, it, it has helped me share my faith like i mean again kind of like earlier i talked about um you know feeling that calling and like for the first time understanding like walk stepping out on faith and um and like understanding what you know pure religion is and like yeah for the first time being able to like share my religion because i was passionate about something was was pretty amazing and um yeah sometimes you like forget that over time um but it's definitely like yeah something that's you know a big piece of um 
yeah, big feast of you know foster care and, and being in hate. So yeah, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> um, all right, so why is the Enneagram helpful for understanding yourself and others in the adoption world? We kind of hit a little bit on this, but yeah, why is it why is it helpful in understanding yourself and others, especially in the adoption world? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it. Um, yeah, before just being um, being empathetic uh, to understanding how other people you know, view the world. I mean, before you see the Enneagram, you always kind of understand that people are different, um, but you can't, you haven't, it hasn't been described how they like see the world that much differently. So um, without completely being able to read and like, I mean, you can never like completely feel it or understand it, but um, it gives a lot more vocabulary to be able to have the discussion of like how somebody views the world and views the discussion and views, you know, uh, topic um and yeah you're able to find a lot more common ground uh to start from and then it helps you you know understand your kids so yeah i mean i approach you know kind of like we talked about before you approach um you know one differently than you approach a nine and you approach a five differently approach an eight Mm -hmm. um when you kind of know what your kids are like and um yeah it's just it's, it's helpful in that instance and yeah as long as you again like they doesn't ever feel uncomfortable if something happened, but yeah, it's not like you don't reflect and yeah, it gives you a, um, something to reflect on, uh, when you're, when you realize you're dealing with an issue that's, um, more than, you know, one conversation. So you can approach yeah. it again and have a conversation about how something, how about how somebody sees a problem and then talk about the problem instead of just talking about the problem without understanding how somebody's approaching it. So, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, uh, so this is just kind of a general question, but, uh, what is your biggest piece of advice or encouragement for adoptive, adoptive dads in general? (laughs) Oh, um, (laughs) I mean, I want to get more dads dads to adopt. So, I mean, hopefully some people that haven't adopted listen to this podcast. Um, cause yeah, I, I hear too many times, like, you know, uh, women saying I, I would totally adopt, but my husband's not on board. And I'm like, what the heck is wrong with men out there? You know, like yep, yep. stand up for something and you're called to stand up for that. And like, I mean, you're called to be the you know head of your household and the kids and the family you created. But like, I mean, yeah, the whole description in the Bible about, um, yeah, children, like just, yeah. Then justice for children, like just gut wrenching, especially like once you have a kid. Um, so yeah, the, the encouragement is like, uh and yeah again like i i mean i've definitely made mistakes um but i guess you know kind of from the ace perspective like how do you get up every day and again like you know i i felt like i've been at the end of my rope and that's where i stepped out on faith um with god saying like i can't approach this next day on my own like you're gonna have to fix something because i don't know what i'm gonna do tomorrow and um so yeah having that faith and then you know you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make a lot of mistakes and how do you get up the next day and make sure you handle it differently and don't live in the past. And, uh, and yeah, and then be intentional. Um, and again, I, I don't do it perfectly, uh, obviously, but yeah, being intentional with, um, you know, with having conversations with your kids about, you know, politics and religions and what, what you believe and, um, and then being intentional with spending time with them and being intentional with, you know, passing on, um, your faith and your beliefs to them. So yeah, that's what I, that's what I always try to do. 
That's awesome. No, I think that's, I think that's great. And I, I love your call to action as well with, with guys out there in general. Um, I know that, that a lot of times actually, even especially on the dad's episode, a lot of the wives will say, Hey, you need to go listen to this. We've gotten that feedback a lot. And so, um, I know there are some guys out there that are either maybe even struggling right now. Like I, you and I both, we've, we've been able to have these conversations about our struggles and going through a lot of stuff as adoptive dads. Um, yeah. but just knowing that, uh, I mean, I got a text message from our adopted teen. Um, he's out of the house now and, um, and he sent something the other day, just said, Hey, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you and what you guys did for me. And sorry for all the crap basically. <laughs> so, uh, I actually got is- that from our, one of our daughter, like our daughter. I mean, I didn't call her daughter. We didn't officially adopt her, but yeah. Um, I got that like last week. It was, yeah, it was amazing. So no, that's good to hear from you. And yeah, I wanted to share that too. So yeah, that's awesome. That's, awesome. that's great. Well, Hey Ryan, thank you so much, man. Thanks so yeah. much for jumping on with us. Sorry. The in-person didn't work out, but I'm, I'm glad we were still able to do this. Um, so if somebody was, you know, kind of on the fence or if there's a guy out there saying, Hey, I kind of need some charge and I want to talk to somebody, could they reach out to you? And if they could, um, what's the best place to get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, they can definitely reach out to me. And yeah, I mean, my number is, um, yeah, 479-295-9342. So yeah, just give me a call anytime. That's awesome. That's awesome for you. All right. Thanks so much, Ryan, again. And uh, make sure that you guys, if you're not already on Patreon, make sure you guys jump over there, uh, support the show, support, you know, there are costs involved with having a podcast. So make sure you guys uh, go support Alex over there and you get actually some really cool stuff. So Ryan and I are going to jump into a even more fun conversation and only the Patreon patrons will get access to that. So make sure you guys go check that out. Until next season, I guess I'll see you guys then. Thanks. So much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.